the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts deep into my heart. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The most fun show of the week. Most people say the best show of the week. Because Paul is here. Welcome well, to the program. Thank you, sweetie. Yep. It's a good, good day. I'll, I'll brag about this day after you get the phone numbers, all that kind of stuff. You've had a great day, Pastor Ron. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, this, uh, in case you don't know, Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas, and you're listening to the Word to Stand On for Life, a program dedicated to taking your phone calls so we can answer your Bible questions at 340-9585. That's 340-9585 or toll free. You can call us at 877-630-KSLR. That's 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com, or you can send them in via our free mobile app. That's the Calvary Chapel mobile app. If you're driving in your car, and we'd love your live calls, the safest way to call is to use the KSLR free mobile app and hit the call now button, and you'll be connected directly to the studio. Uh, As I already told you, Paula is live in studio with me, and she's got a smile on her face. I'm not sure... What that's all about. <laughs> but welcome to the program. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, yes, today, as we're out, you know, usually everybody will say, you know, oh, hey, Paula, you're looking really good, you know, that kind of thing. Well, today was Pastor Ron's day. First, this one lady who knows us, um, she just noticed that it was me uh, walking, but she didn't recognize you from behind. She goes, oh. She's with a, a, a much younger man today. Maybe one of his sons. <laughs> Maybe one of her sons, that's right. And so that was, that was wonderful because not only did her husband tell that story, then she came by our table a little later, and, and she repeated it a couple of times. I said, you can tell that story about three or four more times. It'll make his day. So she kind of obliged, didn't she? <laughs> <laughs> and then um, as I was paying the bill, uh, you're in the hallway, and another one of the ladies uh, hugged you because everybody, you know, at this place we go, we go so often, they all know us, and we love them, and most of them call you Papa Ron or me, Mama Paula. So evidently one of the girls hugged you and, and told you how good you smelled. And Rich, the manager, he says, because he heard the lady tell the other story as well, he says, you're having a good day, <laughs> huh? <laughs> And, and that's not something that ever happens when, you know, nobody's ever said, it's always the other way around. People say, look at look at me, like, what's that creepy old dude doing with her kind of thing? <laughs> and it's always, you know, are you training for a show? Are you working out at the gym? Are you getting permit? And then nobody ever says anything about me. So this is the first time we're together, mm-hmm. and somebody said, I look like the younger one. Yeah. Well, from the back. Best day ever. I think the rapture's coming. <laughs> Please. Yeah, I wish the rapture would come today because I'm really working hard not to be bitter. Anyway. About what? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. The, a, a, a first grader. I just heard we heard that on the, on the news. A first grader. A boy. As a kindergartner. Dressing like a girl. And now he is a girl. And the little girl who called him a boy because she knew him as a boy last year is in trouble. 
Just, yeah. Sorry I brought it up. Let's kind of skip that because I don't want to go there. It's the world we live in. Hey, before we get started on stuff that God's put on your heart, Paula, yes. uh, I, I need to readdress Dot's question from Tuesday from the um, technical blips that we had. Nobody could hear the answer. It was horrible at home. Dot certainly couldn't. So, uh, Dot, I, I trust you're listening. You, you asked us to do it on Thursday. So from our email inbox, here's Dot's question. Now, Dot is a regular listener. She is nearly completely blind, uh, and she says she's learning and growing, um, but that's a great process. So uh, Dot's question is this. My Sunday school class, a homebound class, has been studying serving. Is witnessing considered a way of serving God? It was certainly obviously taught to the disciples and thus to us. When is it done? Uh, I.e., Jesus would that none should perish, but at times it's hard to tell when the other person's interested or just playing devil's advocate self gets in the way. You know, Dot, what I said on Tuesday that you couldn't hear, and I think this is uh, something that we all need to, uh, or on Monday, rather, I apologize, um, is that we have to get over worrying about what other people think. Uh, serving um, by witnessing is certainly one way of serving the Lord. But witnessing, where, where service is according to the gifts God has given us, witnessing is a responsibility for every believer. So we, we tell everybody in a homebound Bible study class or, or uh, in, in some ministries, uh, hospital ministries, nursing home ministries, uh, things like that, uh, there's always somebody who's about to meet Jesus, and there's always an opportunity to witness. So yes, that's a way of serving the Lord. It's also a way of serving um, uh, a church if you're connected to a church. Um, so yes, it, it is considered a way of serving the Lord, and it is a precious gift, a wonderful gift. Uh, Paul says in uh, Philemon verse 6, I pray that you will be active in sharing your faith so that you'll have a full understanding of every good thing that you have. And Doc, when you have that understanding, when your understanding grows by you taking those steps of faith, regardless of what somebody thinks, regardless of whether they're interested or not, um, you are gaining a deeper understanding of your faith. As you do that, you're going to experience being given greater gifts by the Lord. Uh, you're going to be able to find other things. God can trust you with the people who are lost, and um, and he's pleased. So, yes, serving is definitely a way. Uh, I mean, witnessing is definitely a way to serve the Lord. Uh, certainly not the only way, but it is one way. I also mention this thought, especially when you mention a homebound class, because this is something you can share with the people in your class. Um, some of us, as we get to a place in life where we're not as able to go out and do things, we're not as um, uh, physically able or, or even emotionally or mentally able to go out and do the things that we used to do, the one thing that we can do from that perspective, probably better than anyone else, uh, based not only on our physical condition, but also the number of years that we've lived, is we can pray. And what a great way of serving the Lord that is. We can pray for the things that break your heart. You can pray for the, the people that you see in this world that are lost and hurting. You can pray uh, for um, um, our, our, our president. You can pray for our nation. You can pray for the people today in Houston and in Beaumont and all those people whose lives uh, won't be the same, if ever, for for years uh, and the pain that they're in. So there is a, a really effective way uh, for shut-ins or homebound people uh, to to serve the Lord. Um, some of the greatest prayer warriors that we've known in our 22 years here at Calvary Chapel are people who are just sick all the time and they're not strong enough to get out. Uh, there are some people who seem to me, Dot, and this is just my own assessment of their situation, but it seems to me that sometimes those people are afflicted uh, with a ministry of suffering. And it turns them into these great prayer warriors, and I personally believe that the rewards in heaven uh, for those people are going to be immense. People who in this world are viewed as though they're secondary, they can't do much because of their physical condition. But when God begins to answer their prayers, marvelous things happen. So Dot, hang in there, keep growing and keep learning. Uh, the Lord is not through with you, and I appreciate your calling. Paula, do you want to add anything? Yes, actually, thank you so much, Dot, for your question and that you um, asked us to share it today because we'll just go in the opposite direction of what my notes say right here. It's uh, focus 
and compass point. And what I was going to ask you about, Pastor Ron, is in order um, the benefits of new believers keeping their focus and their compass point, and then those in mid-stride, which I would consider myself because I'm like a year younger than you. <laughs> and then for those elder states, men and women who, you know, like you're saying, they can't quite get out and, and run with the crowd. They can't maybe necessarily run with the missionaries on the mission field or, um, you know, do street witnessing all the time because of their feet hurt, my knees hurt, you know, my back hurts and stuff like that. I can't, I can't really stand up or, or go and do as much as I used to. And so what, what can I do in these stages? And praise the Lord. So we started with the elder states people. Um, prayer is, is huge and vital. Another thing is, you know, you keep telling us just be with Jesus because if you're shut in, somebody has to come in and usually, you know, assist you. And so every time, like maybe even Paul uh, being in prison, every time the jailers would come along, you know, he's witnessing to them and they keep getting saved and then they have to, you know, send in another one. So um, I'm thinking uh, so many of our elder states people here, though they're sick a lot and, and not as able to do what they used to do, a, t a huge witnessing tool, a huge way of serving the Lord is remaining with him and being joyful in spite of the infirmities. Not that we say, oh, happy day, I'm old, I'm going to die anytime, I'm in pain. No, not that. It's, I know Jesus is here with me through this. So that's a huge way, I think, of serving the Lord. So if there is anything else you want to add to the elder states people? Well, um, I think I think for all, all three of the groups, the, the the one thing that that we have to focus on most uh, is getting the compass point. You talked about a compass point. By that, Paul means uh, when Paul says, "Set your heart and your minds on things above." Later, he says, "Set your eyes or focus your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith." What we really have to understand is that the only way we can keep our eyes on Jesus is to be in the Word. And, and whether you're a brand new believer or what you call the midstream believer or, or an elderly believer, um, the, the word becomes important. One of the things that we're told about God's word is that it's living and active. And by that it travels, by that it, it, it meets us where we are. So in all of those phases, and the new believer can't be a grounded believer unless he or she unless he or she is um, um, learning about who God is. We're told to learn um, to grow in the knowledge of God, and then we're told to grow in the knowledge of God's will. So we've got to dig in. We've got to find out who he is. So that's true for all the believers. I think for the, the, the uh, third group, Paula, the elderly believer, those who are suffering, um, we, we recognize that God has a purpose for our lives, even in our suffering. We can learn the secret of being content, uh, regardless of our circumstances. Paul says we have to learn it. It doesn't come natural. Um, we can learn that his grace is sufficient, and, and we can find purpose and meaning. I think one of the sad things for me as a pastor is I watch uh, some of our elderly people, um, and by that I mean people in my age bracket. Um, they sort of check out. Uh, they come, and they're great people, but um, we kind of get convinced by this world that we really don't have any value as older people when just the opposite is true. Uh, somebody like Dot, who's a shut-in, um, she needs to have people in her house just so they can sit at her feet and listen to uh, her years of experience, just so they can uh, see this is what God did back in this day, and this is what God did. That. But then, they, then people like Doc can say, this is what God's doing today. Yeah. And what a great example that sets. And I, I, uh, I, I try my best to encourage people here at our church to... Uh, find friends, mix with people who are from different generations. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it's very little to gain uh, if all we do is hang around people just like us. And older people are sort of the hidden, uncovered treasure in the church in the United States of America. We need to learn that God is faithful, and those are the people that really, really know it. Mm -hmm. So um, taking young people under your wing, Dot, and, and just sort of 
sharing your heart, things that God has done. That's a great way to serve those believers coming up behind you. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just mindful of Susan, who um, she's older than you and I, and she comes here throughout the week on her with her walker, her walker chair, to tutor these young kids here. Mm-hmm. It's just this amazing thing. The kids love her, and she loves them, and... Um, it's, there's a purpose in it all, you know. She's she struggles. You can tell she's in pain, but you know, Paula. Let me ask you a question: Is is it the same for women as it is for men older in, in our age group? I think a lot of men are sort of not in a I'm scared way, but they're they're sort of intimidated um, by those who are are younger. You know, the twenty somethings and the thirty somethings, um, not to mention maybe uh, high school or co- early college age people. Um, sort of intimidated by my guy, I don't have anything to contribute to them, or they don't want to hear from anybody but me. And I know that's how a lot of us feel as men. Uh, do women feel the same way? Yeah, yeah. We, uh, we wish we were younger and uh, more vibrant. Yeah, so we could do all those things. We, we I couldn't handle you if you were any more vibrant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we look and say, man, I wish I... I remember when. I remember when I could do that. I remember, you know, how the Lord was able to use me in this way or that way. And, um, you know, yeah, that, it happens for the women as well. Maybe, maybe probably more so. Just, yeah. Dot, let me, let me do one, uh, tell you one quick story uh, um, that, that will, I, I think, in a practical way, answer your question better than probably my just talking did. Um, Paula and I together, our very first ministry was in a nursing home. Uh, it was before I went to Bible college. I was saved. I knew I was called to be a pastor. I was digging into the Word, and and we both believed with all of our heart that God called us into this nursing home ministry. And we would show up every Monday at 3 o'clock. Uh, the Bible study started with Paula singing at 3.30. Uh, we met some of the greatest people ever. I still tell stories <laughs> about them. I'm telling one of them right now. Mm-hmm. There was a, a woman named Margaret Richardson. She was 92 years old at the time. Now, remember, this is 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. She was 92 at the time. We'd sit and talk to her, and her eyes would fill up with this really horrible gunk, yeah. and she it felt like so bus. embarrassed. And we would just just take Kleenex and wipe them out, and she she just loved the attention, um, and and she loved the Lord. Uh, her family had long since stopped coming to see her, so she was alone, and she would cry often in that mm-hmm. loneliness. But every Monday when we get there at three o'clock, now remember the Bible study starts at three thirty. Mm-hmm. Every Monday when we would we would show up at three o'clock, she'd be sitting at the door in a wheelchair. All of the tenants had their wheelchairs, mm-hmm. and she'd be sitting right there, and she had this look like hands on her hips. What are you doing? You're late. We got we got stuff to do. And I would say, Margaret, we're not late. It's only three thirty. But the Bible study starts at just now three o'clock and she would say but I've got people who need to hear about Jesus so come on follow me mm-hmm. and she didn't tell him herself about Jesus but she made sure that I followed her mm-hmm. around that nursing home to tell people about Jesus and that, that's the way she witnessed and she was really 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 effective mm-hmm. uh, can it take 30 more seconds you can have all the time you it's want, your show. Pastor Ron. I know but I'm, I'm generous okay Go ahead. Take all the time you need. (laughs) Not this Margaret. Um, One day we went to the Bible study and she wasn't there. Mm -hmm. That's never a good sign when you're doing a ministry in a nursing home. And so we did our Bible study, talked to the nurses. Oh, no, Margaret's in the hospital in in Pomona. It doesn't look like she's going to make it. And, And so we wanted to get right over there to see her. And we walked into her room. She was in ICU. We walked into her room, and she was completely out. Drugs, sleep, who knows what it was, but she was completely out. So I just took her hand, and Paula took her hand on the other side of the bed, and we just sat there and talked to her and prayed for her and all that. And all of a sudden, she shook up like like somebody alarmed her, and she was eyes wide open. And she went, ah, ah, and she looked at me, and she goes, you're not Jesus. <laughs> And then she was, but I'm happy to see you. But yeah. she really expected yeah. that the next person she would see would be her Lord. Mm-hmm. And um, she was disappointed. Who could blame her? Oh, no, she was disappointed that you weren't Jesus or Jack, her husband, who she was longing to see again. Um, but she was thrilled that, you know, you had come over there to see her. But, yeah, um, she longed to be with the Lord. And that's another thing, you know, as the shut-ins or 
whatever, whoever are, are praying, you know, every, I think every time we go somewhere, we're like, if you're the last one to be saved and you're holding us up from being with Jesus, I'm going to slap you <laughs> if I find out. No, So, you know, as we're praying, and we don't even know, you know, sometimes you, you get to that place of prayer and you're like, okay, Lord, what else? You know, what else should I pray for? And you might pray for just somebody who's going through something. Or, Lord, I don't know, you know. But you could be praying for that last person to be saved. And when we get to heaven, we'll know that, you know. So, yeah, please, please pray for the last person to get saved. And so we don't have any more first graders who are really boys now becoming girls. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, ladies, this is your day. So 340-9585 if you need any encouragement or have any questions. We'll take any other questions at 340-9585 as well. Okay. What's your next group? Mm-hmm. And, uh, the mid-strides. You said, you know, that for the new believers to the knowledge of God and then his will for our life. Um, and new believers are usually pretty zealous. Uh, they'll just go and do anything, you know. Um, not jump off a building or anything like that, but um, the midstriders, you know, we've we've kind of been, we we're, we have some knowledge of the Lord and of His will for our life, and our our ears and our hearts should be a, a little more fine tuned to hear His voice, so that when He does say, "Okay, you know, you belong to me, and I I, I want you to do this," I mean. You've been talking, you know, every seems like every time if you're holding on to bitterness or unforgiveness or, you know, and pretty soon you're going to get to, no, we're already there, but ratchet up a notch about the suffering. You know, um, you told us, I don't remember what study it was. Now. I talked too much. <laughs> no, it's just that you got three studies and you were nice to me you said you don't talk too much you talk a lot yeah you don't you don't talk too much you do talk a lot because that's what you're called to do three services on sunday you know wednesday night friday night this show five days a week um but you you said that when we become christians we do not get to choose the path that god has for us he already knows all of our todays and tomorrows um and so um because he knows and he's leading us and we pray that lord lead me we sing that song jesus if that's what it takes to praise you bring the rain i don't even hardly want to sing that last line because i don't really want to suffer but we are going to suffer and if i'm going to suffer i want to suffer for his his name's sake um and so uh, what i'm trying to say is in the midst writers especially um when we hear what the lord wants us to do we should know him well enough to say, yes, Lord, not tell me some more details so that I could decide whether I'm going to accept your offer, you know, kind of like Mission Impossible, if you're if you're willing to mm-hmm. accept it. To accept it. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm just thinking, you yeah, know, the, the mid striders, Paula. Yes. <clears throat> They're the majority of the church and, and, and Paul's um, admonition to us is see, just, I just put myself in two groups. I'm the older group, now I'm a mid-strider. <laughs> see, that's kind of just... Yeah. But, but the idea is, Paul says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Mm-hmm. And we, we, we don't do that. Rather, we quench the spirit because we grow too cautious. We grow lukewarm. Um, we, we, we grow weary of reading our Bibles. We don't like the conviction that results. And, and I think for this particular group, again, representing the majority of the people in churches every Sunday, um, we're the ones who have to fight lethargy and and, and becoming um, just sort of uh, pew potatoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're the ones that need to go out and really challenge ourselves uh, to work harder, to fight uh, that, that lukewarmness, um, to, to be with Jesus. We need to, to resist um, the, the lure, the pull of this world. Uh, and I just don't think the, the, this group of people does that very well in the church. Um, instead of um, breaking the, the shackles of, of being just growing cold, mm-hmm. um, we need to fight hard. And we're not as good of fighters as we are to be, especially in countries like ours, where it's reasonably comfortable still to be a Christian, where we still have this life. 
uh, we've got bills to pay and we've got families to raise and we've got hobbies to pursue. Um, but, but I think this group needs to make Jesus their number one priority in all of those things. It's not that Jesus doesn't want you to have hobby, hobbies. He doesn't want you to, to, to earn a living. Mm-hmm. He wants you, but he's got to be the reason you're doing all of those things. And he's got to be the one you include first and foremost when you're doing those mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. And I just think we who are those midstreamers have become too comfortable com- compartmentalizing our lives to where uh, Sunday or Bible study day, that's Jesus' time. Even in the morning, if we're faithful, well, you know that 20 minutes I get with the Lord in the morning, that's Jesus' time. Then i got to go out in the world and do my time at work. Everything is better with Jesus, and I don't think we really realize that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, we have a a group here, and you know, Calvary Chapel, and it's not I mean, it's great leadership, Pastor Ron, all our pastors and stuff like that. But we have over 100 ministries here at the church. Somebody can do something somewhere. And talking about hobbies, we have the Calvary Crafters with uh, Lucy and um, Lorene that they always, they do a lot of crafts, but they have a Bible study. Yep. Not only that, but they, they do a lot of service at Drug Jesus and other things that we do here. Yep. Hey, we're running out of time. First half of the program is over. 340-9585. We'd love your live calls and questions. 340-9585. We have 30 minutes left for the Date Day Show with Paula. We'll be back in two minutes. the word to stand on for life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back to the Date Day Show. You know, I just was thinking during the break, every show needs like a, a catchphrase. And I think Thursday, we can change the Date Day edition to Beauty and the Beast. Aww, who am I? <laughs> Well, you're beauty, of course. Well, people were telling you today, you look younger and you smell good, so I wasn't sure. Most people my age, and they probably couldn't see well. (laughs) (laughs) 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Paula, we were talking, we got to talk about two groups. Mm -hmm. Talk about your third group. Yeah, the the third group. I I thought you hit on it a little bit because you were saying that they needed to uh, know that knowledge of God and his will for their lives. But yeah, the new believers are usually pretty zealous and, you know, give us a little bit of information and we can go crazy. But if we're zealous for the Lord, like you, you just, you just read the Bible, you read books, you wanted to know. Um, and I think that's really awesome. And I love what you tell new believers too. Um, Pray and ask God for anything, because right now you're on the honeymoon phase. Ask him for that thing you don't think he would ever, ever do, and watch to see what he, what he would do. Yeah, one of the things I say all the time is that, that we, we need to learn that God wants to move on our behalf. Mm-hmm. And I've seen over and over God show off for babies, brand new believers, mm-hmm. simply because he wants to learn, wants them to learn that he's trustworthy. Mm-hmm. And, and that's when we need to take some chances. Um, we've got nothing to lose. We're so filled with gratitude when we first get saved. But it's really, really important that we, we dig in to find out who he is. And the only way we can do that is in the word. Mm-hmm. Paul, let's take a break. we got a couple phone calls on the line. Let's go to Anonymous calling from San Antonio on line one. Thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hello. Uh, this question is for Paula. And it is, you said that uh, Pastor Ryan was a jerk for many, many, many years. Well, I think, I, well, I know I'm in love with one, but he's just, I'm like lost. Some days he can be nicer than nice and loving. He is my ex of some 30-something years, but we're like, I guess, best friends. And I get so confused. <laughs> so what you just finished saying is your best friend is a jerk. Yes. <laughs> Part-time jerk, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, well, sometimes I get up in the morning and, and you know, you've heard Pastor Ron say this. You go to the mirror and you say, no, because I'm a part-time jerk, too. Um, yes. <laughs> but your, your ex-husband, you're not, you're not married to him, right? No. Uh, praise the Lord. 
because <laughs> you don't you're not really under under submission to him at all. But you know what? You you have the heart okay. of the Lord, and, and and Jesus is in love with your ex husband, part time jerk as well, and so he he. He would use you to continue um, reaching out to him, whether he needs to be saved. Um, he is saved. You know, I, he oh, is. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, pray for him to be less like him and more like Jesus, less of a jerk and more of a gentleman. Um, and yeah. until that happens, it, it, it won't get better, you know, professing to be a Christian. <laughs> I know you asked Paula, but can I add Change. Can change I add has something? to happen. Sure. Okay. You, you know, I think in, in cases like this, best friends, you have a past. Uh, this is a man who needs you desperately in his life. And I think you have to find a loving way to call him out on his times of being a jerk. I, I think, I think. Well, what, what, I've done that. I've done it and he just clams up. That's right. Well, well but okay. To say, but see, because you're not married to him, you have the freedom to walk out. When he clams up, just say, you know what? I'm not going to talk to the jerk. I'm, I want to talk to the guy who says he's saved. And that opens up opportunities to, to ask questions like, how can somebody who says they're a Christian act the way you're acting? Um, probably he's probably he's not picking up a Bible. Probably he's not spending a bunch of time in prayer. He's probably not active in church. Those kind of things. And I don't mean going to church is not going to church is not being active, but just sitting there is is not enough. So uh, at some point we've got to challenge people like that. We've got to kind of jar them out of their comfort zone and say, look, I don't know what makes you think you're saved when you're acting like this mm-hmm. and, and, and use it to open up a dialogue. And as Paula mentioned, pray for him continually uh, because the reason that God's kept him in your life is because God loves him and he wants him to be a reflection of who Jesus really is. And, and you're that link to the Lord right now. So uh, that's the best I can do. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Okay. God bless you, sweetie. Yeah. As you can right, tell, thanks. I'm not one. Uh huh. Thank you, anonymous. Uh, as you can tell, I'm not one who who uh, is comfortable letting people continue in their sin. Yeah. Yeah. I know. You sent me to my room several times. <laughs> not not Paula. Go to your room. But Paula, when you ask the question, it's like, ooh, I better check myself. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I just don't think there's any value in letting these dysfunctional relationships, these this unchristian-like behavior. Um, continue, and sometimes it costs you a friend. Yeah. But that's the, the, the you're laying down your life for your friend. Jesus said, "No greater love uh, is there than this." And what that means is you're doing the right thing for him, uh, and and challenging him. And he may not like it. At the same time, uh, we really, really need for people to understand it just is not okay. Mm-hmm to keep behaving or misbehaving this way. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. Brian on line two, thanks for holding. You're on the air. Uh, thank you for taking my call, Pastor. I have a question mm-hmm. about Isaiah 53, especially the verse that talks about by his stripes were healed. Uh, does that talk about uh, spiritual healing? Yes. Yeah, there, there's no... There's no provision there, Brian, for physical healing at all. Now, that is not to say that God does not heal at times still, but uh, the atonement provides only for um, spiritual healing. Matthew 27, 1 Peter, um, uh, I think I think chapter 2, but I'll ha- I'd have to look at it, um, quotes that passage of Scripture um, and, and makes the proper application. And I think part of our problem, Brian, in church is we're told too often that, well, by his stripes we're healed, so that means God doesn't want us to be sick. But there's no connection whatsoever to physical healing. It is a connection from the one disease that is always fatal, and that's a disease of sin separate from Jesus Christ. Does that answer your question? Yes, and I and I and I, I believe that pretty much myself. Uh, originally, I came out of a, for better word, a holy roller faith movement. One, yeah. I've talked about that before. But yeah. um, uh, what would be a good thing? What scriptures that could I study to explain that to friends of mine that they they you know. By stripes you're healed. That's what I understand. There, by your stripes you're healed. But you know that that deals with the spiritual healing and 
you know, they, they'll kind of start arguing. I said, no, I said, you know what, God, we have to live in this fallen world, and sometimes the fallen world, we have fallen bodies. And, and uh, But I don't have the scriptures that I need to back it up. What is there a book that I can look at? Is what scriptures I can go to? Yeah, Brian, I think I think an exhaustive study for you in Second Corinthians uh, would be a, a, a marvelous place to start because that's where Paul details his own personal sufferings, and he does so at length. Uh, I, I, by the time you get done reading um, the, the end of Second Corinthians, you, you're feeling so bad for the Apostle Paul that you think, my goodness, this guy, how much more could he take? Uh, despairing even of death he talks about. He's talking about his physical afflictions, a thorn in the flesh. Uh, he, he begs the Lord three times that this thorn in the flesh could be taken from him. God says, no, I'm going to leave it there because you need it. So I think that's a great place. Let me also recommend a commentary on Second Corinthians for you. Uh, it's, a, it's a book called Blessings Out of Buffetings by a man named Alan Redpath, R-E-D-P-A-T-H, and it is just a magnificent, an easy-to-read commentary, um, but it's it's just a magnificent commentary on suffering. Uh, by the way, Brian, you might uh, tune in and listen this week. Uh, our, our study in Romans chapter 8 this week, this coming Sunday, is going to deal with, with human suffering. Uh, why and uh, what what we can how we can grow and what we can learn in our suffering. So we're taking a, an approach to suffering. The people that say that God doesn't want us to be sick, He doesn't. He wants everybody to be well or to be well because that's His will for us. Uh, those are Christians who are very 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 immature. Now they will shout the loudest that they're not, but. Uh, the truth is they have no connection to the context of the meaning of the Bible. Uh, Paul talks about in all of his epistles the people who were sick. Epaphras nearly died for you. Honor men like him. Uh, and there are many other occasions like that. So I think there, there's not a particular passage or book that says this means only spiritual healing. But the references to it uh, by Peter and the reference uh, in Matthew's Gospel um, uh, make it clear that that's the context. So what we do is we just have to learn to study our Bibles and 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 take the examples uh, of people who are suffering and people who are hurting and the way the Lord has used them. One other thing that you can do that usually helps people understand it a little bit is is we all know committed Christian people who are suffering day in and day out. At our church, we have people who seem to have a ministry of suffering and they're some of the most fruitful Christians that we have in our body. And every one of us knows people like that. So experience, not only the Word of God, but experience also, Brian, teaches us that that's simply not true. And when people want to go and believe those lies and they want to keep offering more in the offering box, churches are going to keep doing it because those are the, the, the tickling words for itching ears that uh, Paul talks about uh, when he talks about false teachers. So just be really, really careful. Uh, it, it very seldom pays to um, uh, argue with people like that. But if they want to know, or if they're at that place where the Spirit of God has prompted their heart to find out for themselves, I promise you with your heart, God will use you. And the damage that is done by these churches that teach it's God's will that everybody gets healed, uh, the damage that is done uh, is, is found littered around Bible believing Bible teaching churches uh, all over the, this country uh, it's just a shame and it really is uh, a tragedy that uh, people are so willing to believe the lie uh, because I say often to our church false hope is worse than no hope at all Brian the, thank um, you very much the, the it, yeah let me Brian before you ask again let me tell you, it's uh, my producer just said it's first Peter chapter 2 verse 24 it says uh, he bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. So that's Peter's commentary. The New Testament oh. giving light on that Old Testament passage. First Peter 2.24. Okay. the other way? That's good. Okay. okay. I don't, you know, I'm trying to look this outward that one where it says that outwardly we are wasting away but yeah. inwardly being renewed day by day um we had a we had one of those holy roller kind of false teachers come to our church 
when we were at the daycare center one time and Pastor Ron was, um, I think he, you were having a vision day, you know, this, I think this is before you had glasses or something. And this, this guy comes up to Ron, you know, he wanted to stop the whole teaching of the word. I, I was wearing glasses. That was when my eyes were really starting to go bad. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, he's like, brother, you know, you got these glasses and the Lord wants you to have, you know, great vision and all that kind of stuff. Well, Pastor Ron was looking at this guy. You could tell he used to have black hair. Now it was gray. Yeah, we're all wasting away. 100% of people are going to die. They're going to die and go somewhere. We're not going to all, we're not going to all go to heaven 100% well. No, we're, we're going to outwardly waste away. And then we're yeah. you know, absent from the body is to be present from the Lord. And that's going to be a great, great day. Okay, Brian, do you have right. anything else? Well, I was just going to ask you, I had a comment, but uh, the book called, you said was uh, Blessings by Alan uh, Redpath? Blessings yes. what? Blessings out of buffetings. B-U-F-F-E-T-I-N-G-S. Buffetings. Buffetings. I'm, I'm right, driving and riding. Okay. Uh, okay. Ooh, okay. Brian, please be careful, yeah. And, and Brian, let me uh, tell you something. I, I just did you a favor no, because if you if you if you read him, you're going to get hooked on him. He's a great great commentator. Well, well, that's awesome. I, I really really want to do, and I think you know a little bit about my background. In 1980, I uh, got saved at Assembly God Church, and that's when Kenneth Hagen and uh, all the different ones were. You know, Jesus was had you had to be rich. Jesus is rich. Um, you got to be healed. Jesus always healed, and I was in that kind of. Thing until I reached about 98 when there's a really serious, serious, crazy, holy laughter was breaking out, so-called holy laughter, and uh, people were falling out everywhere, and it's like, and I just said, this ain't right, and it's not, this is just not, this isn't from God. But anyway, okay, well, good. I'm going to start studying these things. I just wanted to be equipped uh, not to argue with this guy that I know, just to be able to, you know, explain some things to him. That's all. Thank you, Brian. It's good to hear from you again. Thank you, sir. You have a great day. Okay. God bless you. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Um, Paula, what's next? You know, I was thinking about fear versus faith. And, you know, we're, we've been studying uh, David versus Goliath. You know, how, I mean, the the faith it had to take to overcome that fear first to fight off a lion and then a bear and then now this giant, you know, and um, talking about the three stages of of our walk with the Lord, I would think David is mid-stride. David, you can take this giant because it's not going to be you doing it anyway, you know. You don't really need five stones. I love the fact that somebody, was that you maybe, said... He had five stones, not that he was going to miss four times and get to. No, Goliath had four of the brothers. I thought I almost fell out of my chair. I was like, that is right. That's awesome. So yeah, it was a couple weeks ago. Yeah. If the other brothers came on, you want a piece of me? <laughs> I got a rock for you, too. <laughs> What's really important to note about David and Goliath is David uh, had no fear of Goliath. Uh, he had no fear uh, though everybody else in Israel was terrified, mm -hmm. he had no fear because he'd been prepared. This is why I told young believers to ask God to show off for him, to do marvelous things. God delivered a lion into David's hands, a bear, uh, just to protect sheep. Mm -hmm. And so by the time David saw Eli uh, Goliath, who is this uncircumcised Philistine if he's railing against my God, mm -hmm. David understood that the battle was God's, not his, that Goliath wasn't fighting David, a shepherd boy. He was fighting God. Mm -hmm. And David, there's not one hint of fear. In, in spite of the fact that everybody else around him was terrified, mm -hmm. there wasn't one hint of fear. If you let God move in your life, that will happen more often than you know. Uh, we've taken these huge steps of faith at times, and, and they appear foolish and terrifying, uh, and yet there's just this quiet peace. No, this is what God said. This is what God is going to do. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think that's what 
midstreamers, as you call them, Paula, need to do. Mm-hmm. They need to put themselves in the battle. Jonathan and his armor bearer. Um, um, David is going to have some bad moments, and we all are. But when we are afraid, faith is the antidote mm-hmm. to fear. Uh, the fact that we're afraid doesn't mean we don't have faith or that somehow our faith is deficient. It just means we need to exercise our faith to overcome our fear. When we do that, that's when God is the most pleased. Let's go to line one, Aurora calling from San Antonio. Aurora, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hi, uh, this, this question is for Ms. Paula. Um, Paula, okay. before Pastor was converted, how did you deal with the situation that you were going through with him? I'm oh, going through I'm the glad. same thing, so that's why I want to know. Um, <laughs> okay. I'm going to go ahead and just uh, hang up so I can listen to your answer when I'm driving. Okay. Thank you, Aurora. As you're listening, uh, let me uh, extend an invitation for you at our expense. Uh, on Saturday, September the 9th, uh, Paula will be sharing her testimony at Our Ladies Fall Luncheon. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's only $20. We'd be happy to pay for you. Uh, so um, you might call the church office, get signed up. Uh, and and uh, Paula, for the first time in our 22 years mm-hmm. here, mm-hmm. Uh, she's done it elsewhere when people have asked her. But this is the first time that she's going to be sharing her testimony here because so many people have asked. So uh, you'll be able to get the full story. Uh, on September the 9th. Tell Paula, what are the hours of the... Uh, 10.30 to 2.30. 10.30 mm-hmm. to 2.30. Mm-hmm. Okay, now answer Aurora's question. Okay, Aurora. <laughs> um, well, I had to learn patience, for one thing, and, and because I was really praying um, from a point of, because Jesus said he loved me, that things should be better. In fact, I was telling Ron this today as we were talking with someone else. You know, I thought it would just be right and fair if Jesus just knocked him to his knees. And, um, you know, so I was praying, Lord, kill him with the Mack truck and bring me the Christian man you had for me all along for like five years until I heard a false teacher then say, you know, when you pray, you got to say it out loud because God needs to hear that you're serious. So I was screaming that prayer now. Lord, kill this guy with the Mack truck and bring me the Christian man you have for me all along in Jesus' name really loud for another five years. So 10 years kind of wasted. Um, and I remember getting to a place of, Lord, I'm doing my part. You know, I'm, I'm submitting to this man as unto you. So so I thought um, I'm going to church, I'm doing all the right things, I'm saying all the right things, um, but my heart wasn't right. And I just told the Lord, you know, look, you're good, but you're not that good. Evidently, Ron's stubbornness is stronger than your ability to save him, so I'm done. I'm just done. And it was like the Lord said, whew, finally, because it wasn't about my husband. It was about, the Lord said, Paula, your heart is far from me. You want what you want for your benefit. I died for him as well as I died for you. And so I had to learn um, God's heart and how to be the godly wife first to Jesus and then how to be the godly wife that he wanted me to be for my husband. Now, did that guarantee that Ron the Jerk was going to change? No, but it sure changed my heart towards Ron the Jerk because, you know, we have a saying around here that people are the way they are for a reason. Um, people are the way they are for a reason, and you know I didn't, I I don't I didn't understand, and maybe still don't completely understand um, what fashioned and formed him to be the way he was. But I realized what fashioned and formed me to be the way I was, and my insecurities were crazy, um, and yeah, that that kind of formed um, our marriage. We didn't really know how to be so. Um, I was the Christian at the time, and so I had to um, learn who Jesus was and fall in love with him and begin to trust him, getting my focus off of Ron and what he was doing so much and focus on Jesus and who he was and what he wanted to do in me. Aurora, that's a great point Paul just brought up. You know, um, judgment begins at the house of God. And uh, I didn't belong to God, and she did, so God wasn't as concerned about me as he was about her. 
and he had to work on her heart. And after that first 10 years that she was praying because she just wanted to be rid of me, <laughs> uh, after that first 10 years, God began to change her heart. And when that happened, her prayers began to change. And as she see, was watching me uh, disintegrate, I mean, my, my life was falling apart so quickly. Um, one day in her desperation, she cried out, out of pain for me, she cried out, Lord, whatever you have to do, take everything away from him. We were wealthy. Um, I, 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 I worked really, really hard and, and, and was talented in what I was doing. Um, and she said, Lord, whatever you have to do, take everything away. And that day the Lord grabbed her heart and he said, let's talk. <laughs> he said, if I, have, if I take everything away from him, do you realize that means I'm taking everything away from you? And he asked Paula a question, is that okay with you? And she really had to wrestle with that. It took me from like 8.30 in the morning when we were, Jesus and I were talking, until about 5.30 in the evening. I was so broken because I didn't, that really showed me my heart. I was just a selfish jerk. I, you could a jerkette. A jerkette, yeah. <laughs> the way it worked out, the way the Lord was showing me is, I was okay with you going to hell as long as you had a nice job and made a lot of money and made my life comfortable. Mm-hmm. That is just so wrong. Yeah, but, but when she finally got done wrestling with the Lord and said, uh, Lord, take everything, uh, everything happened so quickly. Yeah, it did. I mean, literally within a month I was a Christian. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything had fallen apart. Uh, the horrible things that I'd done were beginning to come out. The people that I owed money to because I'd lost everything uh, were looking for me. So uh, it, it, was, it was Paula's process. Uh, all of this, Aurora, to say that she's the reason it took me so long to get saved. <laughs> You know, I say that to you. I think it it might have been, you know, just because the Lord had to fashion and form me to be prepared to be the wife that you need me to be. Yeah, yeah. He knew it. She didn't. Yep. Paula, uh, remember Aurora, September the 9th, Mm -hmm. Saturday, 1030 to 1230. Yeah. Just call and let us know you want to come. You'll be on the list and you'll be our guest. And Paula will be giving a testimony. Paula, you can hear the music. we got 30 seconds. Yeah. God bless you. Thanks for the calls today. And um, I love you, Texans, San Antonian. And we are praying for the people of Houston and Rockport. Yeah. God bless you. May the Lord keep you and draw you closer to him. You've been listening to the Word to Stand Up for Life. Lord willing, I'll be back tomorrow at 4 on AM 630 KSLR. See you then. Bye. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4 and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.